I feel like in, in, in not all organizations, but on, you know, on the product side, maybe even on the marketing, sometimes there's this mantra that, that some companies follow to, to fail fast, you know, try a bunch of things, see what sticks, see what works. But in the realm of analytics, I don't think that really works too well in the sense that if you're failing fast, you're missing out on a lot of learnings, you know, that you're from all the actions that you're taking uh, in other areas of the business, whether it's Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Really, but it's a, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, yeah, it's my new favorite thing. <laughs> it makes it makes other photos seem so limiting. Well, I, I like the one. Like it's um, the the way you took it looked like you were standing on this tiny little planet. Oh yeah, and that's actually a thing. It, there's a whole hashtag around that um, called tiny planets. Um, Is it? Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and, and and there's definitely people that do a lot more creative ones than I do. But yeah, it's the it's the new thing where you basically warp. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, it's like you're, you're talking about using a 360 degree camera. And it basically warps the the image. So um, yeah, it looks like you're standing on a, a planet or whatnot. And you can, there's a lot of creative possibilities that you can do with it. But it's uh, yeah, it's pretty nifty. Nice. Can't believe I use the word nifty, but <laughs> it's pretty neat. <laughs> um, cool. But it, it, it's funny, like seeing your pictures like there on the beach, kind of like in this nice, peaceful, serene place after our conversation last week about just being like part of like the normal chaos, like in an urban center. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's it's a good reminder of the range of experiences out there. Yeah. Interesting. It looks like a. Jason is on, but we're not getting that. Hey, he's just lurking. Yeah, I'm just I'm listening. Oh, okay. Oh, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I made I made coffee like five minutes ago, and it's only about ten percent of the way down, so it may take a minute. Nice. Yeah, doing the slow uh, drip. I'm fighting cold, so this is going to be interesting. This should be, and and uh, aren't uh, aren't you in the the heart of like this Arctic? something or other vortex the the polar vortex um it kind of it, it's supposed to keep getting colder but we're, we're nowhere near like what minnesota is seeing at the moment i think they showed a couple of towns in north dakota as well that were like a negative 25 negative 30 degrees i mean we're, wow. we're around 30 degrees right now um above zero um and we're supposed to be getting, like, there's um, uh, rain and snow coming through today. Most of the day it's going to be rain and it's going to turn to snow sometime tonight because the temperature is going to drop. But um, we're, we're, we're not getting it nearly as bad as, you know, other, other parts of the country. 
Okay. Well, it's a it's a balmy twenty four here, so it feels feels fine. <laughs> yeah. Has anyone seen that meme going around of um, it's a like a weather forecaster, and I don't I don't know if like this was actually like broadcast TV or people doctored it up a bit. You know, uh, a weather forecaster in Florida talking about the extreme no. I think cold that's I think that's real. That's I I don't know. Maybe it's doctored. I don't know. Or, or just slightly doctored, but it was like, you know, extreme cold, which I mean, I get it for Florida that, you know, the, the drop in temperature can kill crops that they're usually trying to grow this time of year. But, um, you know, they, they're talking about dressing in layers in 53 degree weather. I'm like, I'm still wearing shorts in 53 degree weather. Yeah, it's not that cold. <laughs> uh, now I'm questioning myself because I thought for sure it was straight up legit. I, I think the lieutenant governor of Utah shared it out on his Twitter feed, and I'm like, this is, this has to be real. I, well, I mean, it, it very could well be, but like, there's sometimes you you take that the, the one thing and like they'll doctor yeah. just a bit, yeah. Like the hey, there's an extreme drop in temperature, and then it come in, someone comes in and puts in like dress in layers, and uh, I don't know. I'm right, fair concerned. enough. Fair enough. In, in a weird, weird direction, but um, but I still think it was funny because um, we have some friends who live down in Florida, and they they don't come up here this time of year because it's just too cold for them at this point. That is understandable. That is understandable. I think once you, I think once you acclimate to some new climate, it's it's tough. It's tough to go back. Even mm-hmm. so we went, we went to Southern California a couple of times during November for, for soccer. And I think the longest time we were there was a, was a, was a week and I had already, and it, it wasn't, it was like what, 70 degrees the whole time. And, and I got back and I'm like, I, I, I can't do this. I'm absolutely freezing. I'm like bundling up and wrapping scarves around my head. But within a couple of weeks, I'm out like shoveling the snow in a t-shirt again. So, you know, it just takes a little bit of time to reacclimate. Yeah, your blood definitely thins when you, when you head down to the warmer climates and then um, come back home. I'm all for the warmer climates, though. John's like, yeah, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I feel guilty joining in on this conversation because it was, uh, I don't know, for me, it was about 85 today. <laughs> uh, I'm jealous. Oh, John. No, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I was looking at the weather. It's uh, 10 p.m. and it's 75 now. So it did cool down. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's 34 degrees and rainy right now. Every, every pros and cons everywhere. Indeed. Exactly. So I have a very vague idea about what I want to talk about today. Um, Haven't fully fleshed it out, but still wanted to go with it. Wanted to toss it out there and see where we went with it. And Jason, this came from a brainstorming session you and I had just on upcoming topics and subjects. And one of the ideas we threw out there was understanding the customer journey. So as I started to, to, to really flesh out how we could look at this, dissect it, um, I came up with some ideas, but again, it, it's not completely formed. Um, and, and one of the things that I kept coming back to is, you know, time and time again, I still see many companies make decisions about their online presence, you know, in that form of marketing, their, their website slash web store, their lead generation. Uh, they make those kind of decisions about 
what they want their customer to be and how they want the customer to engage instead of learning about what's really going on. Um, so, I mean, is anybody else seeing that? Because, I mean, that, that was something I would expect to see 10 years ago, 12 years ago. But today I thought, you know, inroads would have been made to actually show who the customer is, how they want to engage, how they see the brand, and then people would make adjustments around that. Um, and, and in many ways, this is a similar conversation, or at least a, a start to the conversation around what we've talked about with implementation in the past, where we're constantly going in circles with implementation and talking about the same topics over and over again. We actually never make progress year after year. So going back to the customer journey, if others are seeing that same pattern too that I, I'm seeing where, again, they're kind of forcing a journey upon a customer instead of learning how the customer wants to engage, why hasn't that changed at this point You know, with all of the data that's available? about the customer? Is, is it arrogance in the company saying, we want our customer to be this? Uh, or is it that the data is not trusted or could it be something else? And I think it's lots of things. Um, and, and I don't think it's it's necessarily um, because the, the company doesn't want to understand what that is or, or there isn't a uh, emphasis on understanding that. I think there, there definitely is. Um, and if you look across the landscape and and see a lot of the discussions that, that we're having, you know, we just had, what was it in November or December, a really good discussion with Aaron Fossum over at Holland America Alliance about the, the emergence of the CDP. And everyone's talking about this connected ecosystem where we can really understand the customer and give them what they need at all touch points. So I, I definitely think it's, it's part of the conversation. Um, it's a conversation that we're having with, with lots of companies where they want to truly understand across all of the touch points. But I, I think there's, there's a lot of different challenges and I don't know where we want to take this conversation, but I'll just throw out a few ideas and then we can see where it goes from there. And I'm sure you guys have your own ideas as well. Um, but there's a few things in in my mind that are are constantly not not just this specific topic, but just overall maturity in the digital space. Uh, I, I think kind of plays into it. So uh, I think number one um, is just lack of of qualified talent to help get us there, and 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 I think a big reason for that is that people get into analytics, specifically digital analytics in, in kind of one sphere. And they, they kind of hold on to that, that that's their, their base of knowledge. And they, they have a feeling that they have to be everything to everybody. And because of that, they can't learn. And so we have people that have been in the industry for 10, 15 years that have never really matured past their original set of skills. And when they get into companies and take roles as manager of analytics or what have you, it, it, it holds back the entire company. So I think that's definitely coming into play, maybe, maybe a smaller percentage of cases, but that's definitely happening where it's, it's a, it's a resourcing issue. And because companies are so desperate to hire roles or hire into open positions uh, for digital analytics, that they hire the wrong people that don't help take the company forward. That that's absolutely happening. Um, uh, but I think that the bigger issue is, and I've, I've brought this up on several episodes in the past, is that by and large, digital analytics does not sit at the executive table in, in many companies. Um, we're seeing it happen more and more. 
but the the large majority of digital analytics teams simply don't have a voice at at the table and because of that i think what's happening is a lot of these um a lot of these analytics practices are just trying to invent what is interesting to them. So if I'm more technically leaning, you know, maybe we just keep re-implementing a bunch of times. If, if, you know, I like running a bunch of tests, maybe I just iterate on a bunch of tests or, you know, if I'm into programmatic, programmatic analytics, maybe I get into R and start poking around at things, but it's almost rudderless. Like there's no direction. And, and, and I think a big part of that is that again, um, analytics, digital analytics doesn't have a voice at the executive table. And, and so it's, it's almost like just this playground where it's like, yeah, go off and do something interesting, but it's not really important to the overall direction of the company. And that's kind of a, a punch to the gut to hear, but, but I truly believe that's the case with many, many organizations. Yeah, I, I think the, they're all really good ones. And I'm going to throw one more out there. And again, it goes back to what we've talked about before, which is, you know, the, the average lifespan of someone in analytics and marketing is what, 18 months, 20 months, maybe. So I think also you can see the turnover playing an effect there. And then, you know, we, I don't want to rehash a previous conversation, but one of the effects of that, that turnover results in a situation where you have someone coming in and, the house is constantly being built. The house is never used. The you know it, it's constantly being built, refurbished, um, and and whatnot. Yeah, and I think I think that also goes to the importance of analytics and as an organization in an organization as a whole, uh, because we we see even really large companies that it's not unheard of to see a full blown analytics team of one, maybe two people. You know, so turnover absolutely hurts. It's not like you have a, a large team where if you lose someone, yeah, it hurts, but you have a team that can pick up and, and move forward. Like there, there's cases where you lose one person and, and you literally take two or three years back, uh, step back because they took all of the tribal knowledge with them. They took all of the intellectual property with them. And now we have to start over and we're in these cycles of taking three steps back, taking two steps forward, taking three steps back, taking two steps forward. We're not, we're, we're going backwards. I think the other potential challenge in some ways um, is also that the, the digital ecosystem is evolving so quickly. And I still feel there's some lag in analytics uh, catching up to it as well. Uh, I think, you know, we've seen this with, uh, I mean, I can even extrapolate it to like, even when, when mobile started becoming such a, a bigger thing and, you know, different technologies not being supported, like cookies work differently on mobile. Uh, when content syndication um, platforms like Facebook Instant to Google AMP started really driving a lot more traffic. At first, there's always like a big void in the, the data in in most cases for for many organizations, and I feel that kind of creates somewhat of a, a gap in knowledge as well. Uh, just just talking about the 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 tactical aspect of analytics, I think there's still problems with uh, especially companies that that leverage a lot of uh, or have a lot of uh, social media influencers, nano influencers out there, like you know ones that get traffic driven from Instagram or, um, you know, even Facebook under certain circumstances or whatnot, or, 
uh, you know, newer platforms, Snapchat, etc. It, 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 there's always, I feel like, uh, those those evolve so quickly, and I think it takes a lot of uh, marketers or whoever, you know, analysts even, time to to figure out how they're being leveraged. It's not just a tracking issue; it's also just figuring out how those platforms are really being leveraged in different ways and and uh you know coming up with the, the frameworks around them technical and non-technical uh so it's i think it's just an ongoing challenge uh just to kind of keep up with that that world as well because i think a lot of those things innovate faster than the the tracking does I feel that for sure well. no for sure so let's maybe drill into that a little bit how much of how much of this challenge do you feel is is a pure technical challenge because it's it's not like we have one platform that that rules them all. Um, right. I th- I think I mentioned when I got into the space in two thousand four two thousand five at at Omniture, and I was doing implementation for large brands. It was it was it was Omniture plus maybe one or two other platforms. You know, maybe there was an email provider and maybe there was one other, and and that was really the extent of what the ecosystem looked like. Now we're looking at it and we have 10, 20, 30 systems that are like critical systems that all need to be wired together to understand this full journey. Um, so, so you have that at play. And then you have, as more and more people are leveraging um, multiple devices to, to interact with your brand. You know, I remember sitting back um, at a Google conference. This Man, this had to be seven or eight years ago. And I remember them getting up on stage and showing how they had this amazing stitching technology where you could go from laptop to phone and you were instantly stitched together in Google Analytics and everyone is just sitting there like in awe, this is a game changer. I don't think it I don't think it was real. It never really happened. Um, Adobe doesn't have it. Um, maybe there's bits and pieces of it and and technically, quote unquote, you can make it happen, but I don't think I don't think there's been a solution where it's been as easy as the vendors get up on their on the stage and show how you can track across devices. So a lot of rambling to say how much of this do you think is is technology driven, whether it's the complexity of now trying to tie together 20 different critical systems or the complexity of trying to tie uh, a single user together across platforms is is leading to this gap in really fully understanding the customer journey. And maybe that's where this whole CDP conversation comes into play. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I feel like there's, there's definitely uh, some gap that can never be 100% overcome. And I, well, I think part of the, the art of analytics is, is kind of going beyond that, that technical gap, but talking about that technical gap, it's, it's one of those things I feel like, yeah, I like uh, to your point. I mean, Every year, every month, things get more complicated and complex. The, the ecosystem. Uh, so once, you know, maybe all the, the gap is closed, something new pops up, and there's just like a, you know, consumers are interacting with your your brand or digital pres- presence in this new way that's kind of goes outside of how you're you're tracking things. And in that case, I feel like there's always a gap based on, you know, at least, you know, how things have been evolving in recent, recent years. So what, what advice do we have? Um, I, I don't know if, if either of you are working on specific problems or challenges around this, but what, what advice do we have? Because I, I, I don't think it's, 
um, an issue with convincing leadership in companies that this is important, at least from my perspective. I've, you know, all of the mm-hmm. companies that I have the opportunity to talk to, I hear that, that this is something that is critical to them and they want to do. So I, I don't necessarily see it as a challenge of convincing companies that it's important. I think it's more of a tactical challenge of, of making it happen. And, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to, to see companies in different um, stages of maturity working towards this. And I think one of the big challenges I see is that this is an extremely complex and overwhelming challenge. And I, I, I see companies looking at kind of this future utopia state and saying, we can start doing this when we get there. And I'm like, you're like two or three years from there. So are we just putting everything on the shelf until then? Um, so, you know, just the overall complexity of making this happen, I think, is a struggle. What, what are you guys seeing and what would be your advice? So if if a, if a company came to, to you and said, hey, you know, we want to better understand our, our customer journey across all of these points. It's it's an extremely complex um, topic to to start discuss. But what what would you advise? Where would you start that conversation? Where where I would start um, is it, it's it, it's setting their expectation around that it's not something that you're going to be able to wire up and use tomorrow or even three months from now. It's something that you're going to have to plot out and maybe you come up with a two-year plan and you say like every six months, we want to make sure we hit a milestone that we're enabling at least a piece of it so we can show progress. Because Jason, to your point, when you were talking, the the one thing I was thinking of is I I think the technology to stitch a customer uh, across multiple devices has gotten better, but I still think a lot of the problem lies within the organization where various teams are siloed. The, you know, in the marketing world, the display team is maybe not talking to the email team, who both of those teams are not talking to the analytics team, which is set up to measure everything. So they're not talking on a regular basis. So everyone's just doing their own thing. So everything is disconnected there. And it's not even disconnected from a technology perspective. It's disconnected from an organizational perspective. So maybe having one person that sets... Um, the roadmap for all of them. And this is how we're going to get there. And we're going to integrate this piece first and integrate, integrate that piece next. Because as you said, you have organizations look at looking at this great picture and say, this is where we want to be. Um, how do we get there? And they do one of two things. They either try to bite off that entire thing at once and try to get something done in three months. And then it doesn't work at all. So it's like, Oh, it's a failure. And they walk away from it or they're just intimidated they don't know where to start, so they never start. So it's always something that two years from now, we're going to be here and we want to do this. And then a year goes by and it's like two years from now, we want to be there and we want to be able to do this. So you want to have that one person that sets a roadmap and says, here's how we're going to do it. And I would suggest don't fall into the trap of trying to get everything done at once. Piecemeal it, set your milestones and play the long game. Yeah. And so I, I guess that brings up an, another interesting point as, as things change so quickly and it is a long game and we're, we're, we're building these um, kind of future goals out there. How, how do we keep from becoming distracted? Um, but not only distracted, how do we, how do we quickly, 
maybe evolve to take on new things. So if we're setting, you know, these goals of having this connected ecosystem at two to three years out, things are going to drastically change within that time frame. How do we become flexible in that we take new things into consideration, yet um, we don't become distracted that we get, you know, 80% of the way there and we throw everything away because we're now interested in something different? I think one thing is, it sounds so cliche, but, and I think this is kind of a vague statement, but it, it applies to many many aspects of this where companies really are trying to always run before they walk. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in the initiatives that they want to tackle or even the expectations on what analytics uh, can deliver. Uh, I think a lot of times the, you know, the maybe seemingly simpler steps in that, in the, in that process are kind of uh, overlooked. Uh, but I think it's, it should be, evangelize in a sense that you need to kind of follow this this progression of, of maturity. Yeah, I think I think that's a great call out. Um, and and I and I know it's it's difficult. And I, I always use um, I always use the analogy of of opening up a present. Um, like, a, you know, you, you watch a young kid open up a, a present and they just like have this future state in mind and just tear into everything and they throw away the instructions. And then like you, you're down the path and you're confused and you're upset. It's like, wait, did this need batteries? Wait, how does this piece piece fit into there? Uh, that That's kind of what we, we see a lot is we see this future in state, right? Like we want to be to this point where we've opened it up and it's working properly and we're so excited to use it. But if we're so excited to get there that we forget that there's some steps along the way we need to put batteries in this thing we need to put the wheels on this thing and if we don't then it's not going to work um and we've in in worse if we just blow through that and kind of ruin what that process is and we throw away key materials it's going to be a very frustrating uh frustrating time um kind of getting to that point and so um it's it's something that uh we work with with all of our our clients i know that i'm trying to do more on a personal level that not only is it okay it's a proven method that if you do that crawl walk run fly approach not only do you get there faster it's more efficient um and when you get there in the end you have a much more um usable in product when when you get there but it's it's hard you know it, it's hard i know it's hard when you're within an organization and you know you don't get a lot of attention from your executive team and then all of a sudden there's something interesting pops up and now all of a sudden they say okay this is now your priority make it happen drop everything do this and so you kind of scramble um, rather than staying the course but i i think we've seen time and time time again where you stay that course it's it's a it's a proven winner. But I, again, I get how difficult that is when you're in crawl and you see something in fly and you just want to go there. Um, you can get there, but it, most of us have to go through those set maturity steps to get there. Otherwise we, we often fall way, way short. I, I feel like in, in, in not all organizations, but on, you know, on the product side, maybe even on the marketing, sometimes there's this mantra that, that some companies follow to, to fail fast, you know, try a bunch of things, see what sticks, see what works. But in the realm of analytics, I don't think that really works too well in the sense that if you're failing fast, you're missing out on a lot of learnings, you know, that you're from all the actions that you're taking uh, in other areas of the business, whether it's product development or marketing tactics. Uh, so I think it's very, even more important to kind of follow that 
the that progression in the in the in the analytic side of things at least. Hard hard agree on that one. Well, hard agree. That's yeah. Sounds pretty intense. Yeah, it is, it's an it's an intense agree. <laughs> Indeed, we do a very bad job of disagreeing internally. Um, we do. We do, I, and I know that. I know that. I know that frustrates Jim, but you know, it doesn't. It doesn't provide the, a good debate for the our the, thi- the, thi- the thing is, is I I I think we disagree a lot. In, in, in like the, in like some of the, the minor steps. Um, but, but what we rarely disagree on is like the milestones and the endpoints. Right. So I guess if we like micro focused one of these episodes on just one little step in the process and said, okay, what's the best path, best path to get there? I think we would probably tend to disagree more. Um, because I've seen I've seen that happen internally as we've discussed things. We all kind of have different ideas about how to get to things. But when it comes to the main, like this is kind of the the, the journey. I don't I don't know that we we often disagree on that. Now you bring up a good point. So what I want to do is I was thinking about this, Jason, when you were just talking a moment ago, and. You, know, you were talking about organizations, you know, seeing something and wanting to be there and but not being able to get there. So I kind of want to get really meta, you know, really get into our heads. And it, it, it's one of these things like, have you ever noticed like, you know, you see these people that just constantly want but never get. Yeah. And I mean, let's take digital marketing and analytics out of it. Just anything in life. They want the the big house. They want the shiny car, but they're so focused on wanting it. They never get it. Right. All the time. And what are they actually missing out on? They're not missing out on the house. They're not missing out on the car. They're missing out on what they have right now. They're missing out on the present. They're so focused on the future. And that's one of the things I started to think about when you were talking about that with an organization, maybe at the senior management level or you know anybody else in the organization for that matter that is, is focused on this. They're so focused on the future state that they miss what they have now. They miss out on the wins that they can get now. They miss out on the infrastructure that they have now that they can leverage, um, that they can use, that they can get some wins with while they start working a plan to get to that future state. And what happens is at that point, you know, the want goes away and you slowly start making progress to it. I mean, I was just curious if anybody had thought, you know, in in that kind of fashion. I I think, and I don't know if you were going with this, but um, it's the, it's the desire to have something that someone else has and it's never fulfilled. And, and I have seen that. um, I saw that when I was on, on the client side. So it was, it was just the desire to have what this other company has. And you think that when you get that, you're going to be fulfilled. And now that's going to give us a competitive advantage. Um, but the reality is, is that it is never fulfilled. Because once you have that, there's always something else, right? I, I remember at the time we had just invested heavily in uh, in Omniture at the time where, where we had just completed our, our worldwide rollout across 18 separate brands. It was a, it was a big accomplishment and, and it, it couldn't have been more than two weeks later. Uh, I got a, a serious, this is now top priority message from, I think it was the CIO at the time 
where we had to figure out how to get crazy egg deployed. This is, this was going to be the future, like everything. Cause you know, one of his friends that was in another company had just deployed crazy egg and it was really changing the way they did business. I'm like, are you, are, are you serious, Clark? Like we just spent like three months deploying one of the top analytics solutions across our entire uh, set of properties. And, and now crazy eggs, the, the answer, but I, I saw it, right? Like it was this new thing that he wanted that someone else had that once we had this, then, then we were going to have the competitive advantage, but it didn't matter. You know, once it was that, then it's, it's something else. There's an, there's another thing out on the horizon that someone else is doing. So let's go and do that rather than just focusing on what, what do we need for, for our business? And sure we can take evaluation and stock of what others are doing and evaluate that. But if you're always kind of chasing the the next door neighbor, the Joneses and trying to do have what they have, um, man, it's, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster, both, both in business and in, and in life. Yes, that, that, that was definitely part of it. The, the whole keeping up with the Joneses um, and just the, there's always the what to want next. Um, yeah. It, that, that's definitely part of it. You know, the, the other part of it, just the, the, the constant want and desire. So you're always wanting something and you actually never actually move on it, or it just, it, it never gets fulfilled because you're still wanting and you never move into the, you know, let's actually act on it and, and make progress on it. Kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And that's, that, that, that comes down to the motivation, you know, why are we, we doing things? And again, I think we've, we've all seen this on a, on a personal level where it's that, keeping up appearances and trying to have what other people have. If there's no underlying like driver for why am I getting this? Like, is this solving a problem for me? Is this something that is going to fulfill like a, a current gap that I have? And it's more of, well, so-and-so has it. So I need to have it there. You'll never be content with that. Right. So from a business perspective, from an analytics perspective, again, I think it's important to analyze what your competitors are doing, what other, uh, companies that are kind of seen as top of their class are, are doing in, in the industry. Um, but it needs to come back to, but what are we solving for? You know, we're, we're not trying to be company X. We're, we're trying to be the best company that, that we are. So what solutions, what things do we need to put in place that solve our specific problems? But it, it's hard, you know, businesses like to pretend that they're, this cold, calculated, non-personal space, but it's not, as we've often talked about, businesses are are made up of people and people have, you know, the same types of tendencies that they have in, in their personal life. Those things come into play in businesses. So as we're trying to keep up with our neighbors, you know, that that mentality flows flows into into business. So I can definitely see that as, as being uh, a very real factor um, in this conversation. Do you think it's also possible that it, it's, uh, it's hard to really know what your neighbors or you know your competitors are doing in the on the analytic side, the reporting side, because it's very internal. You know, whereas you can kind of ga- more easily gauge uh, user experience, uh, marketing tactics, uh, and those types of things, external factors with your competitors. But it's really difficult to kind of see and, and formulate. You know, maybe what you should be doing on the analytics side. Um, 
Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think from just a pure outside looking in perspective, I think you're right. It, it It is difficult to see. I mean, we get glimpses of it, but really pulling it apart and understanding what's happening there is is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, from a, a direction and a strategy perspective, you know what? A lot of these people talk. Um, and that's what happened again, when I was client side, it wasn't, it wasn't that an executive was, was like doing critical research of what other companies were doing. It's like, these guys are all getting together and talking and saying, well, this is what we're doing. So it's, it's kind of like, they're just exposing it and they, they hear bits and pieces of and say, well, and I'm going to go back to my example. It's like, well, my buddy who's running this business, you know, is all in on crazy egg and here's why he says it's amazing. So now we need to be in on it. It wasn't that he went to the site and evaluated how they used crazy egg. It's they got together over drinks and they talked about it, you know? So I, I guess it just depends. I just thought of something. Um, so to continue that point, one of the things we've all noticed in, in this space is there's just a proliferation of conferences of, of, uh, of meetups of, of all of the, these various industry get togethers, you know, some large, some very small, some in person, some virtual, the virtual ones seem to be taking off as well. What do you think that impact, what impact that could have? on this constant churn and this constant, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, this constant drive to be at a future state that never, that never materializes. Mm. Uh, good question. I, I don't know that it has much of an impact at all. Um, just because I don't believe that most people are in that world. So I, I think we see a very small slice of, of people that are hardcore into the conference scene. Um, but I, I think that that most practitioners um, maybe go to one conference a year, maybe. And, and most probably don't go to any. So I, I think by and large, that probably doesn't have much of an impact um, just from a pure volume perspective. But I could be wrong. How many of those listen to our podcast? I'm just kidding. Uh, um an even smaller per- <laughs> an even smaller percentage we have a we have a we have an intimate group but we're growing see i mean uh, so i'll actually disagree with you on this because i think that the the conferences do, do have some kind of impact so um one of the things i've noticed um with, with a couple in particular is is yes you have a lot of pre- practitioners there but you've also seen growth in attendance of much more senior management so they start to see a lot of the, the best case scenarios, the dog and pony shows, the, the stories of, hey, we had this idea and poof, now we're able to do this. So they then come back after being there for, for a few days and it's like, I want to get there too. And it, it then creates this churn where, okay, we were moving in one direction. Now we have to change it because... I saw this best case scenario kind of presentation and I want to make sure we get there. So I, I think it does have some impact on it. Uh, it probably does to, to that extent. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's got a short, short shelf life though. You know, it's like that, that post-conference mm-hmm. buzz tends to, uh, tends to die off pretty, pretty quickly. So, so at this point, to, to start wrapping things up, um, you know, I, I think we've we've definitely touched on a lot today. But I think one of the biggest things is 
uh, either, you know, the, the biggest things we talked about as far as having an impact on enabling companies to really understand and learn about the, the, their customer's journey is either changing focus through whether it's turnover, just trying to keep up with the latest fad or whatnot, or just, you know, some form of, and I'll use the word, you know, jealousy that, you know, oh, somebody else is doing it, so we need to do this too. What are a few steps that, you know, an organization can take to try to mitigate the, those factors and actually be able to bring together their, their plans to actually do this. I, I think John gave the perfect answer. So I don't know what, what to add on top of that. And that is to take a, a crawl, walk, run, fly approach to it and, and understand where you want to get to at each of these milestones and, and really think critically through what that path looks like and start working towards it. Um, I, I think the biggest failure point for many organizations is when it comes to this vision, most organizations are in the crawl phase and they see where they want to be in the fly phase. And that's where their focus is. They're like, okay, we're going to crawl today. And then at some point in the future, we're going to fly. And we just know from how people mature physically, mentally, that it just doesn't work like that. You have to go through various steps to, to get there. So putting the time in up front to understand, okay, how do we move from crawl, crawl to walk is, is critical. And it's going to help get us closer to, to where we want to be in that, in that fly state. Um, and it, you know, if I could just offer one piece of advice, it'd be that because I've seen personally organizations struggle where they're in crawl, they want to get to fly and, two years later, they're still in crawl because it's so difficult to move from something that is so far apart uh, without going through those, those maturity steps um, uh, along the way. So I, I would say that, you know, just start somewhere. And the starting point is first, we're going to map out what this entire journey looks like. And then we're going to start doing little things that are going to help move us along that path in a very uh, efficient manner. Um, and step back from the, okay, we're, we're, we're in crawl today and we're going to put all our focus on this in state that we have to be there where I can track Jason on his iPhone and his laptop and his uh, other laptop. And when he goes to the store, but not only when he goes to the store, like every place he goes in the store, cause he's attached to all these beacons. And if we can't do that, then we're not doing anything like the Companies have to stop with that mentality. Um, it's it's awesome if you if you get there, but you have to start somewhere, um, and that somewhere is put a map in place and then start taking little steps to get to there to that end goal. Well, cool. Well, this has been a a fun conversation. Um, I know it probably started off a little rocky, but like I said, I just kind of had a vague idea. I wanted to throw some things out and see where we went with it, but I think. Uh, once we got moving, we, we really kind of came together on a, on a solid topic, um, some some good problem identification, and actually some, some good thoughts on how to actually get around those. So, I mean, I, I think uh, we can wrap it up here, and um, we'll uh, you know we'll, we'll catch up again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. 
If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents Podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.